On today's episode of Locked On Mariners, where do the Mariners rank in the echelon of the American League? Plus, will the fact Seattle had to go to arbitration with Teoscar Hernandez impact the team's ability to keep him in the Pacific Northwest long term? All that and more coming up here on Mailbag Monday. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Monday, February 20th, 2023. This is Tiny Gonzalez and Colby Patnode for the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe, like, and turn on alerts if you're watching on YouTube. Or subscribe and leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear. And if you want to hear from us even more, please consider signing up for our Patreon. The link as well as our social accounts is in the description below. It is Mailbag Monday, the show where we answer your Mariners questions. And at the midway point of today's show, we'll be announcing the winner of Colby's autograph, Walter forward card so look forward to that but let's get into these questions to kick things off starting with daisy and the dingo who asks us simply as rosters currently stand the mariners are the blank best team in the american league and why colby i'll let you start naturally um i i would say uh say third or fourth I think is is probably uh, the right way to look at it. I still think Houston's is a little bit better. I think the Yankees roster is better. Um, and then I think it's it's kind of a battle between Toronto and Seattle. Um, it, it's kind of, you know, what what type of team do you prefer? Uh, I'd still give the edge to Seattle in the starting pitching and bullpen departments. Um, I think the Blue Jays have a slightly more impactful lineup, but the Mariners lineup certainly isn't that far behind. And then defensively is kind of a pick your poison type of thing because that's all about eye test and metrics and things like that. Uh, I, I think Seattle's clearly better than anybody in the central. Um, and then you look at kind of the rest of the, I think they're better than the Rays. I think they're better um, certainly than, yeah, certainly than the Red Sox. Uh, and they're better than Texas Anaheim. Uh, so yeah, I, I think they're third or fourth. I, I think that's the only place you can really put them. Maybe fifth if you want to. If you want to squeeze, you know, Tampa ahead of them, I guess. But to me, they're pretty solidly third or fourth. I I think that they're definitively third. I'm not entirely sold on Toronto just yet. Um, I like the off season that Toronto has had and kind of pivoting and and you know uh, focusing more on defense especially in the outfield but still I, I, I kind of have to wait and see especially with that pitching staff I just the the Mariners can pitch uh, and, and that's that's the big key here and, and they have arguably you know a top two pitching staff when you factor in both their starting rotation and, and uh, bullpen in the American League I think really only the Astros are, are better than they are um and uh you know and the Astros took a significant hit with with Verlander there as well so I think the gap has kind of closed between those two pitching staffs as well but I think uh yeah I, I agree with you I think the Yankees are still ahead of them I think the Astros are still pretty far ahead of them um well not super far ahead of them but I, I think there's a pretty uh you know a, a fairly large gap there still that needs to be closed uh but overall yeah I you know th- this team is better than any team in the AL Central right now it's better than the Raves. It's significantly better than the Orioles or the Red Sox, anyone like that. Um, and, you know, we've talked at, at length about how much we feel the uh, the Rangers are being overhyped right now and, and the Angels. I mean, again, Angels have done some nice things this offseason. They have two of the best players in the world, and yet they haven't been able to finish above 500 the last seven years. So I, I can't put any stock into them. Uh, in the preseason that's just a that's another wait and see type of scenario just like it is with Toronto um 
but yeah, I think uh, I think Seattle's definitively third right now in the AL, and I think you know a couple things happen here. I, I think they they surpass the Yankees and and they get pretty close here to uh, to Houston as well. And really, we just kind of have to see with Houston in particular, like how much does the loss of of Verlander impact them? You know, is Hunter Brown actually the guy? You know that everyone says that he is. Is, is he going to be able to fill that hole? Is Framber Valdez going to be able to become the ace of that staff essentially, along with you know Lance McCullers and Christian Javier? Um, that's you know the pitching is just really the the big determining factor for me here. And and the Mariners not only have one of the best rotations in baseball, but they also have guys that are behind their their one through five right now that are really interesting that could have a pretty big impact on the team uh, this season, like Bryce Miller. So yeah. All right. Uh, next question here comes from Alex, uh, who asks, uh, "What would be more important to the Mariners: Jared Kelnick being at least an average major league bat, or George Kirby being a Cy Young Award candidate?" Colby, who says George Kirby isn't a Cy Young Award candidate right now? Um, here's your here's your early FanDuel tip, guys: plus eight thousand on Kirby to win the Cy Young. I mean, I'm not going to say it's easy money, but you're not getting better odds uh, more important to the Mariners long-term uh, or just even this year. I think it's Kelnick being average because I feel like there's a Florida Kirby. That is essentially what we saw last year, which was what a number three starter. I mean, uh, so yeah, Kirby doesn't have that far to go to be a Cy Young contender. Uh, Kelnick has a long way to go to be average. And if Kelnick is average in the outfield um, at the plate, and obviously he's going to be above average defensively, uh, then the Mariners' biggest hole on their entire roster has just been filled by a young, talented, cheap player with tons of upside still. So for me, it's Kelnick, and I said this at the beginning of the offseason. I'll continue to say it. Uh, Jared Kelnick being good is would be more impactful than any realistic acquisition the Mariners could make uh, in the winter. And so we'll have to see if, if it you know plays out. But yeah, if Kelnick is, is good, uh, the Mariners are going to challenge the Astros, assuming everybody else is healthy and performing the way we think they can. Yeah, 100% agree. Because like, if even if Kirby isn't a Cy Young Award candidate, he's going to be a at least a solid number three in the middle of your rotation. Jerry Kelnick being you know an average major league hitter changes the makeup of your of your lineup. And this team really like its biggest weakness right now is the ability to score runs still. You know, we still don't know if this uh, lineup is is viable enough to consistently score runs on a nightly basis. They've done a lot of things over the course of the last few months to improve this lineup, but you know, there's still you know a couple of question marks uh, here as well with the DH and with the left field spot. So, if Kelnick can be an answer there, and I mean, you know, this isn't just for this season, but long term as well, it it has significant ramifications for the Mariners. So, yeah, it's absolutely definitively. Jerry Kelnick here um because even if Kirby is not you know an elite pitcher he's still going to be really good and you add him into the mix with a Logan Gilbert and a Robbie Ray and a Luis Castillo and a Bryce Miller like your rotation is sick like there aren't many rotations out there in baseball that are better than yours even if George Kirby is just kind of you know a little bit above average right just kind of in that in between of being a Cy Young guy and and you know like an all-star caliber pitcher I guess I would say um, all right, let's, uh, let's do one more question here before we, uh, talk about FanDuel. This one comes from Nate Davis. Uh, what draft class under DePoto has been your favorite? I really like this question. Um, there's a couple of really, uh, interesting answers, uh, here. Um, I mean, you can't really go wrong here's with 2018. Answer. 2018? 
for you? It, it's 2019. 2019. Yeah. 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 I mean, 2021 is pretty fun, too. When you think about Harry Ford and Edwin Arroyo and Michael Morales and Bryce Miller, like, it's really yeah, that's fun nice. class. Yeah, let me do 2019 here, Ty. All right. Okay. George yeah, Kirby. Yeah. yeah. Future Cy Young Award winner. Brandon Obviously. Williamson. Yeah. Who, you know, helped you land Gino and Jesse. Isaiah Campbell. Mm-hmm. Reliever extraordinaire, Levi Stout, who also helped you land. Uh, was he? Yeah, he was part of the... Uh, Castillo Which Reds deal. trade was he a part of? <laughs> I think he was part of the Castillo deal. Yeah, the Castillo deal. I get them mixed up. They happen so close together. Uh, Tim Elliott, whatever. Austin Shinton, who you flipped for Diego. Um, Adam yeah. Mako, who helped you land Tay Oscar. Tay Oscar um, yeah. Carter Benz helped you land Tyler Anderson. Uh, and then you right. just kind of look at some of the guys who are still around that are interesting. Logan Reinhardt's interesting. Uh, Travis Kuhn is interesting. In the 20th round, you drafted Cade Marlowe. Who, right? You know, looking like a pretty big piece there. So, when you kind of look at this draft class and you say, who did they get, and who did they keep, and what did they do with these picks? I mean, they added George Kirby. They're going to add Isaiah Campbell this year, um, and probably Cade Marlowe out of this draft class. And they've used Williamson and Stout, Shenton and Mako to help them acquire. Luis Castillo, A. Eugenio Suarez, Jesse Winker, Diego Castillo, and Teoscar Hernandez. That's a home run draft. Like, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. what the other picks are. That's the home run draft. It's a really good draft. Um, now, the question, of course, wasn't what is objectively the best draft they've had. It's just what's your favorite. 2021 is, is, is my uh, favorite just because there's some really fun players in there. Oh, uh, I see. Ty doesn't care about quality when he picks favorite. He just, which uh, explains his pick in Spider-Man movies. But um, well, clear, clearly, you hate Bryce Miller and Harry Ford. That's what you're saying, <laughs> right? You shut your mouth. But uh, <laughs> no, 2021 was also very good. Uh, like you said, I mean, yeah. obviously, the top two prospects in the system are from the 2021 class, and Edwin Arroyo helped you land Luis Castillo. So I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, it to me, it's one of those two drafts. It really is. Um. Mm. 2018 is pretty fun though too. I mean, you get Logan and, and Cal. Really fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like yeah. that's that's pretty impressive. So, really, yeah, two guys who literally helped you clutch the uh, yeah your first playoff yeah. berth in 20 years that night. So it's a good one. Yeah, yeah. The uh, really took to Poto a couple draft classes to kind of get going, and then he had the weird uh, the weird shutdown year where Hancock goes six, but the draft's only five rounds. So. It's a little tough to judge that one yet, but not looking too great. But other than that, you know, 2018, 2019, 21, and even this last year's draft, they're all looking pretty promising early on, uh, or even not in some cases early on, but they're pretty good at this is what I would say. All right, we got more questions coming up here in just a moment, but real quick, a reminder, this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N to learn more. 
then you can uh, maybe put some money down on that plus 8,000 for George Kirby to win the uh, American League Cy Young. Uh, Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. And you're listening to the Lockdown Mariners podcast. Thank you again for making us your first listen. So before we get back into these questions, Colby, let's announce the winner of the giveaway that you uh, you started up last week for the signed Walter Ford baseball card. Yeah, so uh, if you guys are curious, the methodology is pretty simple. We had five videos last week. Um, I pulled up a random gen- random number generator, asked it to pick a number between one through five. One equals Monday. Five equals Friday. You guys get the idea. Uh, the winner was picked from Wednesday's video. I put that into a random comment picker uh, software that's available anywhere. You guys can look them up. Um, put in uh, the link to the video, and, and it, it sifted through the comments, and I asked them to randomly pick one, and it picked a, a commenter from – or it picked a comment from subscriber Extinguisher10. So congratulations to Extinguisher10. Uh, you have won the Walter Ford card. You have a couple of days to uh, to claim the card. Um, and just go ahead and shoot us an email. Um, with, uh, LockedOnMariners at gmail.com. Or you, can, uh, or you can reach out to us on Twitter uh, via the, the Locked On Twitter account. Um, however you want to get a hold of us is fine. Uh, and then there'll be another... Uh, there'll be another step that we'll need to you to do to verify that this is indeed you, but we'll get to that once you send us an email. So uh, yeah, just send us an email. We'll get this thing started and we can get this card shipped to you by, uh, by this week. All right. Congrats to extinguisher 10. Hope you enjoy your vanilla missile card. Let's get back into these questions. Starting with Ruben it might be late on this one, but how could the arbitration hearing affect Tay Oscar Hernandez's relationship with the Mariners? Bonus, what kind of player do you think Julio wants to be? Uh, to answer your last question, just really quick, uh, or the second question, uh, just really quick, I think he wants to be the greatest of all time. You know, that's how he carries himself, essentially. Uh, so, yeah. Um, for your first question, yeah, so, you know, the Mariners and Teoscar Hernandez went to arbitration uh, last week. Uh, the Mariners won. Um, what I would say about this is... This isn't necessarily a Corbin Burns situation. I, I know a lot of people see how the Brewers handled the the Corbin Burns uh, thing, and and you know what Corbin Burns outright said to the media about how it impacted his relationship with the team, um, and that you know freaks some people out. But this is a little bit different, right? Because you know Corbin Burns obviously been with the Brewers his entire career, you know perennial Cy Young candidate, and they were saying things like, "Oh, you were the re- you were part of the reason that we didn't make the playoffs and all this stuff over seven hundred and forty thousand dollars." Um, pretty much every projection had the, uh, had Tay Oscar at around $14.1 million. I think that's what he ended up getting here. Um, and that's what the Mariners valued him at. He wanted 16. Um, and so that's a pretty big disparity between those, uh, those two numbers. So I don't think that that's necessarily uh, a similar situation. Now, could it still impact the relationship? Sure, depending on, you know, how realistic Tay Oscar thought that number was and how, you know, how much he feels that he should be valued at that number, et cetera. Uh, but that's ultimately, you know, a Tay Oscar thing, right? That's not I, I think the Mariners valued him appropriately when you look at all the the projections, right? At the end of the day, it's only two million dollars. We can make that argument on and on and on. Uh, and obviously Tay Oscar is is worth more than you know, 14 or 16 million dollars given just what other players at his position are making. Um, but 
yeah i i, I just you know kind of juxtap- uh, juxtaposing the two situations i i don't think there's really anything that suggests that or, or there's anything really that jumps out to me that says like this relationship is is going to fall apart that they're not going to be able to keep him in seattle long term because of this um but again that's that's ultimately up to tay oscar and how tay oscar feels about the situation so yeah um yeah the the two million dollar difference was the largest uh between player and and team this year um and it's it's pretty sizable but you know like ty said because there isn't a long track record between the player and the organization there's very little that the organization could have said that tay oscar could take personally um there really isn't because um he doesn't have any you know he doesn't he hasn't laid down any foundation here so they're not going to attack his character they're not going to you know ask about his contributions to you know the playoff run last year because those don't exist um so it's very just you know kind of a this is what he's done this is what this type of player has typically gotten we adjusted for inflation you look at what all the projections say this is about what you should get and and that's why we came up with that number. So I mean, it, it was probably a very sterile. Uh, most of these are. There's really arbitration cases don't get explosive ever. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I, I don't really don't think this affects their long term outlook anyways. And and you need to remember, Seattle didn't acquire Teoscar Hernandez to have him for the next six years, right? If they get him for the next six, six years, fine. But they acquired him to have him for this year. Uh, so I really don't think that this is going to put any kind of strain on the relationship. If, if the, if Teoscar likes it here and, and he gets to a number that the Mariners are comfortable with, then they could still easily work out a long-term extension. I don't really don't think this is that mm. big of a deal. Um, I, I know some people are, you know, fanning the flames and like, this is a disaster and, oh my God, how dare they sour the relationship that doesn't exist. Um, but I, it's going to be yeah. fun. Yeah, it's just a very different situation compared to some of these others, like a like a Corbin yeah. Burns. And so, um, you know, again, like I said, it's all up to Tay Oscar at the end of the day. If if Tay Oscar feels slighted, you know, then Tay Oscar just feels slighted, and that's what it is, right? And right. you know, uh, but uh, you know, I don't think the Mariners really stepped out of line here. They went along with what everyone else was projecting him to get. So, I I wouldn't really put a ton of blame on the Mariners in this situation if uh, something, you know, if the relationship is strained by this. So, all right. Next question comes from Max. Um, if either, which new Mariner is more likely to regress this season and why? Teo or Wong? I'll just say Colton Wong. I don't think either one of these guys are really going to regress, but I'll say Wong just because he's done it for a less amount of time. You know, he's hit for, you know, he's been a, you know, plus or, uh, um, an above 100 WRC plus guy for like two years, really. Um, but also there's some changes that he's made that suggest that that's sustainable. So, uh, if I had to pick one of the two, I'd just say Wong because Teoscar has more track record, but that's really about it. That's not a great answer, but yeah. Yeah, also Teo's overall numbers last year were kind of bogged down by an injury. Um, and once he was fully healthy, he exploded. So, yeah, Teo, Teo's mm. going to be fine. And I really think Wong's going to be fine. But if I have to pick one that's going to regress, it, it'd probably be Wong. But we're not talking about regressing to Adam Frazier levels, right? We're talking about Wong going from a 117 WRC plus to like a, a 105, 100 type of WRC plus guy. Um, and then Teo, I feel very good. If Teo's healthy, he's going to produce. I feel very good about that. Yeah, agreed. 
All right, we got a couple more questions to go over here in just a moment, but real quick, a reminder, this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by Built Bar. Looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories? Then you got to try Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year, and if you're like me where you want to eat healthier but don't want to compromise taste, then, man, I've got just the thing for you. you got to try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious you won't think they're good for you, which is perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they are all covered in... 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get yourself a box. For years we've been talking about ordering your Built bars at Built.com. Well now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your near Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter, and churro. You can thank me later. You're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. Let's wrap up Mailbag Monday with a couple more questions from you guys. This one comes from Nicholas. How excited are you about Jared Kelnick's new swing not at all not at all (laughs) not at all could not Uh, care less yeah man uh jared has changed his swing and his setup and what's this what's the what's the change he's made to his swing tell me from that one side video tell me what the change is exactly i have no clue i have no clue i i'm not a i'm not a swing doctor uh, but yeah, so I don't know. We've, we've seen him make changes at the plate constantly and it's hasn't really led to anything in the past. So why should I feel differently now? Uh, especially off of, you know, a couple of videos on the backfields at the Peoria sports complex. I don't, I, I hate to go full Colby here, but I, I really, I don't care <laughs> about this. I, I don't, I don't at all. Uh, I need to see it in game. I need to see him have success against major league caliber pitching with these changes before I get on board with any of this. Uh, because at, at right now, it's nothing. It means nothing at the end of the day. Um, and I'm not, yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm not smart enough to uh, to decipher what exactly he he's done off of a couple of videos from a side angle you know in the dugout like or whatever it is it's about as tangible as robbie ray's splitter right now it doesn't exist as far as i'm concerned until i see it until i see it work against big leaguers i don't care what it looks like it has to produce by the way what is with what is with everyone learning splitters this offseason matt festa now has a splitter and pete woodworth today was talking about how like Everyone in the in the Mariners rotation has like something new to showcase. Like wh- what's what's going on here? But why is why is the splitter like the flavor of the month for the Mariners? I don't know. We got Gilbert, uh, we got Ray, we got Ray, we got Festa, we got is is Kirby working on a splitter? I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> like Kirby's working on a new changeup grip, apparently. So there we go. There we go. Yeah. So. Yeah, insane. I, I don't. I don't get it. It used to be the cutter, but now the splitter. I think the, the splitter is the new meme at this point. All right, Wifsky has our final question of the day. Question for both Ty and Colby: What are your spiciest hot takes for the Mariners this season? I'll start 
Evan White becomes one of the most valuable utility players in the org by demonstrating plus outfield plus first base potential and finally creating offensive production. Um, I'm going to save my hottest take for a, uh, for a future show that we're doing when we do our predictions, but I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you one though. Um, Isaiah Campbell is going to be a top four reliever in the Mariners bullpen this year. Colby, said spicy. you have one? It's it's not super spicy because my spiciest takes are are, be, are I'm saving them uh, for when we do our predictions. Okay. Uh, first of all, I reject the notion that being able to play the outfield and first base makes you a utility player. Um, try again, whiskey. Uh, but uh, that's a pretty good take. You know, I try about, not to laugh when I when I read that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but still, that's a pretty good take. If you think Evan White's going to come up and, and produce offensively enough to be in the lineup every day, there so you go. Uh, and that's a yeah, good one. That's that, pretty that's, spicy. Yeah, and there's just enough evidence there that you're like, hmm, maybe, like it's just possible enough that you're like, yeah. All right, another so, one. Cade well, Marlowe is Chaz is Chaz McCormick against righties or against lefties. I'm just saying just what he brings overall value-wise, like defensively, get on base a little bit. Maybe he's like a postseason hero type of dude. Uh, That's more what I'm referring to. Okay. Um, I will say... Do you disagree? What's the okay about? The dude struck out like 38% of the time in the high minors. That's the okay. Uh, that's why it's a spicy take all right uh how you can judge how spicy it is julio okay which automatically doesn't make it as spicy as it can be julio goes 40 40 this year huh i like it Uh, yeah we actually had a a, another question i I forgot to put it in here but uh, someone asked if it was more likely um if Julio would hit uh, over 300 or hit 35 bombs this year. And I would, I would take the 35 bombs pretty easily. I don't think uh, Julio's, I don't know if Julio's a plus 300 average guy. Didn't he hit like 286 last year? Yeah. But I feel like that's kind of like, I don't know. I feel like he's just going to be, you know, in the 280 290 range for his his whole career i don't know if he's a plus 300 guy maybe i mean he very well could be like he's obviously got that talent i just feel like it's more likely for him to hit 35 bombs than it is for him to hit over 300 maybe he does both yeah i i don't want to say anything is unlikely with julio um true so uh sky's the limit with the dude so yeah yeah this tough question for me because as you guys know i'm not really one for hot takes um so neither am i man i just want to talk about ball you know like i don't like i don't don't want to you know make these loud yeah i just i just you know i don't want to make these loud proclamations that are never going to come true and then i just look like an idiot and like that's that's not fun to me i feel like you'd be i look like an idiot anyway um yeah well (laughs) yeah so spiciest hot take um. Oh, okay. Uh, Matt Brash okay. leads the Ooh. team in saves. Who cares about saves? <laughs> I don't know. 
I mean, yeah. I mean, there's some of you that are watching right now that definitely care about saves, but like, I don't care about saves. No, I don't either, but that's why I think it's kind of spicy because a lot of people are like, oh, saves means you're the best reliever. And no, not Obviously. at all, actually. Naturally. Uh, nat- naturally. I mean, as yeah. we all know, Fernando Rodney in 2014 was the best reliever in all of baseball. Hey, you will not be smirch Fernando Rodney on this podcast. I will I'm, not allow I'm, it. I'm not. I'm not besmirching Silence. him. I'm just being realistic about him. Get to your outro. You have sullied I, I yourself. Love, I love Fernando. I love Fernando. Mm-mm. Too late. Fernando. Too late. You tried to save big it, for, but he, big Fernando yeah. guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our show. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Locked On Mariners podcast. For Colby Patnode, I'm Tidy Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez. That's C-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z. And Colby at CPAT11. That's C-P-A-T-1-1. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen. Now make your second listen, Locked On MLB Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts just like us. And with that, have yourself a beautiful baseball all day and we will see you tomorrow peace